Well, hello, everybody in podcast land. We're back at Dental Elements Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, a blast from my past. We have Jen Monteith on. Hello, Jen. Hey, April. How are you? Good. So we were just discussing our story, our Ah. long history together. I think the audience would probably be interested in that. Uh, We start, gosh, how long have we known each other? 25 years? Yep. I would pretty close, if not 24. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we worked together in an office in my hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Jen is a hygienist. And as soon as she met me, she knew she had to be friends with me. So (laughs) that wasn't a hard decision to make. Let me say that. (laughs) No, Jen was came came into the office like like wildfire, like a like a firecracker working with the patients and had that Chicago uh, spunk. Yes, that, uh, that was different for me coming from Chicago to, you know, sweet hometown Grand Rapids. Um, You know, I was, I definitely was a downtown city girl and felt that uh, Grand Rapids was not, I felt like there was tumbleweed downtown. Tumbleweed. It was so abandoned when I moved here. I thought, what's going on now? Holy yeah. cow, it is the it is the up and coming, thriving city that is just filled with life and excitement and every corner has something mm-hmm. something happening. It's it is a total transformation. Yeah, and I've I've been gone for twenty years, so I, I see it when I go back. So um yeah, and then how long did we work together, Doctor at Doctor Lambert's? Um, gosh, until ninety 90- it was until 2000-ish. Yeah, that's when I moved. 2000, 2000 yeah. when I moved, yeah. yeah. Okay. You moved, I left, and uh, yeah. And then we met up again 17 we, years later. We, we did. The, Chicago. the midwinter meeting in Chicago. Yes, <laughs> which was unexpected. It was a, 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 quite a um, serendipitous event. Yes, that it was. <laughs> yeah. That's- now you went to Northwestern. I did. I am a Northwestern Wildcat. So living here in the land of the blue and the green is, uh, or should I call it maize? I'm not maize, even sure. Maize and blue. Yes. <laughs> you know, maize and blue and green and white. And, you know, there's rival, rivals all the time. And I'm like, go purple, you know? Right. <laughs> right. That's right. It's a beautiful I, campus. I yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and sadly, the dental school shut down. Um, I'd say I graduated in 92. And I thought it shut down four years later, but I think it shut down just in like 97, 98. I can't remember exactly, which is sad. You know, it was a remarkable school right downtown in the city. Um, Mm -hmm. The professional campus was there. You know, the law school, medical school, dental school. We had just Mm -hmm. acquired all of Loyola's dental students because that school had shut down. And then um, I was the last hygiene class to graduate. We didn't even know that was happening when they took us. Wow. there was only 12 of us in the dental hygiene class and uh, we graduated to welcome in the Loyola students. And then shortly thereafter, unfortunately it, you know, the school had to make a decision at that time. Many of the private dental schools had shut down in the mid to late nineties. Uh, it just it was so expensive to operate. Okay. Now, you know, there's new dental schools opening up in Chicago and, you know, Midwestern popped up there and that is, I know they've got a couple campuses across the country, 
but it was, it's exciting to see that making a change. Because That's right. We need good, we need good quality dental schools, you know, in which we have many, many, many of them. Um, but to reduce the, uh, the ability for more people to fulfill their dreams of becoming a dentist by shutting down schools, that was tragic. And then of course I, I truly, um, give Northwestern my, all the credit for my degree, my skills, my passion, um, my ability to care for the patient clinically and mm -hmm. emotionally. There's a big, there's a big emotional piece to that. Uh, clinical skills, you know, they, they were really, I, I'm to all of you Northwestern uh, alumni out there. You're great dentists. Not saying anyone else isn't, but I do have a special heart in my a place in my heart for those wildcats. So, well, sounds like you had a fantastic experience there. Too bad it, or, or you're lucky to be the last one in there, or the last class in there. Yes, I felt pretty blessed. Um, you know, so right before the shutdown, I had found out uh, I was at the midwinter meeting in Chicago in 2020, and there was a Northwestern alumni gathering. hadn't ever heard of it before for some reason and headed there. One of my professors was there, Mr. Incioni. Gosh, I, I thought, oh my goodness, she hasn't changed at all, looks the same. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the docs I used to work for when I was in hygiene school was there and I was like, what you doing here? And she looked at me, she goes, he was a hygienist. I said, what? Huh. And he went to Northwestern, like how did I not know these things? So uh, that was really, that was really cool to see him and find out he was one of the first male hygiene, hygiene students through the Northwestern program and then went on to dental school, which of course was always a dream of mine, but life happens. Right. It was, it was yeah. so to see them. Yeah. So a guy, one of the guy, I call him one of the uh, elusive guy genists. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's not enough of them. Let me say that. There's not right. enough guy genists out there. Yes. So kudos to him. Yes. So you have quite the story. I don't know how much you want to delve into it because I, out there in podcast world, I joke with Jen, she could have her own series and it's true. So we may, we'll, we'll probably have Jen back, but however you want to tell it, Jen, um, you are on a new journey as far as hygiene. I am. Wow. What a, and again, I have to really reflect back on um, you know, the education that I got from Northwestern and then just really what happened in, in my life, right? So you and I met each other after after we had, you know, I'd gotten married, moved to Chicago, uh, grad, well, let me say I graduated hygiene school, moved here to West Michigan, got married, moved back to Chicago. During that time, my husband was going to school to become a massage therapist. What a great partnership with a hygienist, by the way. Right. <laughs> really helped with that. <laughs> With that carpal tunnel and, you know, all that, the neck pain. Uh, so we, we moved back. Unfortunately, his parents had passed away and we wanted to keep their big Victorian house in our family. And uh, it was a gift to be, I, I didn't look at it as a gift then. I do now. But at that time, I thought, okay, this is where our life's going to be. You know, we were, we were planning on buying a massage therapy uh, clinic in Chicago. We were going to just settle in. I was working for the Northwestern team dentist in Chicago at the time. I mean, what a great combination. 
And, you know, this, this happened and I thought, okay, we got to just kind of roll with the punches. So we headed back here to Grand Rapids, um, stayed in the house and I was pregnant with our daughter. And then I met you shortly after she was born. That's right. Yeah. We started hanging out and then I got pregnant with my son and that was, uh, you know, working, doing hygiene, pregnant, you know, with my daughter, I worked right up to the end. Like I was three days past my due date. I'm like, I'm not going to stop living because I'm pregnant. I'm a hygienist. I worked hard for this degree. I'm going to do this. And then she was only four weeks old when an office called me and said, Hey, do you want to come work for us? I thought, well, heck yeah, I can manage being a mom and raising a baby and working full time and managing this gigundo house that we bought. I didn't know I was about to lose my mind, but that's okay. <laughs> Somehow we figured it out, right? Mm -hmm. Then, uh, I don't know, it was too much. It was a long drive. And one thing that I had learned about my uh, my time in Chicago when we had moved back and he was in school was I fell in love with helping many doctors, not just one. I fell in love with subbing temping worked with a temp agency you know got to meet with this really cool lady who lived in a skyscraper downtown chicago and that's all she did she just she found and sourced hygienists and you know contracted them out to offices i don't even remember how i found her but i thought what a life this is really cool so i got to meet some pretty amazing dentists during that time the ones that i started working with right out of hygiene school you know, south side of Chicago, learned a lot about chair-side management with emotions there. Then moved to Grand Rapids, worked with some fantastic dentists here, and, uh, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, it seemed like was going on so much with us. When I moved back to Grand Rapids, met you uh, working at, uh, at the office here in Northwest northeast side of Grand Rapids it was uh you know he was the team dentist for the Grand Rapids Griffin so I thought I got a theme going on here right I'm mm -hmm. not even a sports fan <laughs> mm -hmm. but these doctors you know they were really showing a whole new way of connecting with with people with the community was not just doing traditional dentistry but you know getting more involved and um, sharing what their passion is and helping these athletes do their best and give them great care. So while I was there, ha, huh, little unbeknownst to me, but another tragedy was facing us. My parents were killed in a really bad car accident. And April, I have to say, you, uh, you were my saving grace. The time that we spent together, and honestly, it wasn't until I saw you again in 2017 and we got to talking, you helped stir up those memories of the impact that you had in my life at that time. So now I was not planning on getting emotional, <laughs> wow, okay. but I am, uh, you, uh, you know, you don't, when I'm, when you're in a new town and, uh, you, you've just left your whole life and you move someplace, you always hope you can find that one person or many, and you just want to be accepted, right? Well, to have such a tragic thing happen and being pregnant and being afraid of losing my job and not knowing what was going to happen. Uh, right before that, my husband was in the hospital. So I had already missed a lot of work because he had had meningitis and I was pregnant and my focus was to keep him alive. And I remember having that, that 
that moment with God saying, listen, you can take anyone on this planet, but you're not taking my husband because you just took his parents. You got enough. Like you've met your quota for this family. Mm -hmm. Move on. Mm -hmm. And I felt pretty responsible at that time because little did I know, you know, my mom was up taking care of the baby so that I could be at the hospital. And I don't know what happened, honestly, in the office. Were subs in there? Did they cancel my schedule? You know, there was three hygienists at that time. So I don't know how much of a burden they took on to cover for me. But being on the other side now and seeing what demand I've had to cover for family tragedies, I just think, wow, there was a lot of grace given to me at that time. And I couldn't be more thankful because the whole office really just pooled in. Whether I recognized it or not, they did. And you were a huge part of that you know, between the funeral and getting my husband healthy and then, you know, not knowing about the baby and all this stuff. It just, it was a lot, a lot to handle. Uh, and at that point, you know, you, you learn who your friends are and you recognize maybe this isn't the path I'm supposed to be on. So, you know, took a little bit of time off after that, left dentistry for about seven years and ventured into entrepreneurship. Wow. Talk about feeling, I can do this. Anyone can open up a business, right? I remember you yeah, switching gears. Yes. Switched over to daycare. Why not? Right. You got two little kids. Why not open some daycare centers? Well, you know, I, I can commend a lot of things. And I know back at that time, uh, precious dental students were learning how to be remarkable dentists, how to take care of their patients, meeting that quota for all their crown and bridge work, all of, you know, their amalgams, all their oral surgeries, doing other rotations. What I believe to be true, and I know it's changed since, is there was no business management offered. And so these these dentists that were just wanting to make a difference, and yeah, admittedly, many of them are like, I want to do this because I want to be my own boss. Also want to have their own practice take care of patients, take care of their teeth. And most have a great dental story of what got them into dentistry to begin with. But, you know, for the longest time, dentistry suffered. And I, I don't know the quotes now, but, you know, there was, there was a lot of um, areas where dentists were not succeeding because they didn't know how to, because they were never taught business management. Well, I, neither was, was I as a hygienist. Who knew, why would you think you'd have to know how to run a business, right, as a hygienist? Ha <laughs> ha. One of yeah. the most valuable parts of a dental practice is hygiene. Who knew? You know, involving money and you should know how to run a business, but yes. Yes, yes. They admit they are not good business people. That's right. And so, you know, I thought, huh, I can run, I can run a business. We can take care of kids. Oh, we had, you know, three, four hundred kids in between all of our centers. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, you know, l learning learning about payroll, learning about business management, insurance, benefits, enrollment, marketing, all of these things. And I think I can figure this out. You can only do so much on your own. And I didn't, you know, they didn't have child care center um, consultants. I couldn't reach out and say, hey, be my consultant. It was a state. <laughs> the state was your consultant, but they were not there to tell you how to run your business. They were there to make sure your mop buckets were empty <laughs> and the food was right. You know, they, uh, they didn't do that. And I thought, what did I miss in dental hygiene? 
about about this nothing because it wasn't offered but what was offered was to understand and learn how to care for people and to have that compassion and that at later in life um, with all of this loss that we had I really I saw what empathy was because it was expressed to us in so many different ways with you with you know doc with all of the people that were in our lives at that time to understand when someone is in a bad place, we can either, you know, express sympathy or we can express empathy. And that, that really was the pivotal point in our life of we've lost a lot. Um, but how can I, how can I use this to build us up? And most people would have lost themselves and I was asked, you know, if you were to describe yourself in three words, what would it be? And I thought, well, geez, I never thought of that. But perseverance kept coming through. We, I, I have perseverance. My grandfather, when I was a little girl, used to say, hey, Foxy Moxie. And I was like, hey, Grandpa. And well, you know, Moxie came back in and understanding what that really means, which is, you know, someone that has vast character, determination, and perseverance. So uh, I I kind of kept that in the back of my mind, which is going to lead into where we are today. That's right. And when you do say perseverance, you are one of the first people I do think of. I'm like, Jen has been through an incredible amount of, I mean, better than, fi I mean, this is stranger than fiction. You couldn't write this. <laughs> I remember saying to you, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, Jen, you got to write a book about your experiences yes how you got through it you know i always thought what's that book going to end like like and they lived happily ever after i don't even know what that means You're right. <laughs> I, we're still here we survived yes yes that's 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 we survived. yes but now i look at it and like we're thriving we were in survival mode for so long just you know keeping keeping the kids healthy trying to keep the business going stupid 2006 came and hit us like a, a ton of bricks uh the the impact that it had on us wasn't so much that you know we paid cash for everything we that's what we were told to do we were told to reduce as much debt as you could fortunately we were able to at that time and what happened was parents were told we're cutting on we're cutting back your overtime we or you have to work overtime and we couldn't provide 24-hour care so we were losing enrollments because of employment or because the 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 parents were required to work overtime now they made too much money to get state assistance to pay for their daycare so now all of a sudden the neighbor lady was watching them you know mm -hmm. it was such a weird time and we lost everything we lost our house we lost our business we lost all of our commercial real estate <clears throat> uh then i don't know Shortly after that, you know, we tried to sell everything. Guy walked in. I said, oh, my gosh, you own one of the daycare centers in the community. Would you buy this one? He goes, I would have, but you already shut down. You lost all your enrollments. And I thought, there was that business queue again that I didn't think about. <laughs> I didn't right. consult someone. I didn't consult someone to say, how do I shut this down? So I learned from my own mistakes of there are reasons why there's consultants in the world. And partly not because they're, they've got the education. It's because they have the experience. Right. They, they've had the struggle. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. They've been exactly. through they've been through the, the trenches. Yes. So we lost everything because I didn't know what to do. And uh, you know, paying paying cash for everything, we used up our nest egg. Whether that was the right decision or not, I thought the advice I was getting was smart. And so I tried to follow it. We couldn't have predicted what happened. Shortly after that, you know, my husband had gotten a, a great job. He has a long standing history of construction, got hired into a great facility in charge of maintenance. And uh, then our next beautiful tragedy happened. <laughs> he was struck by lightning. As and people, she's not making this up. No. <laughs> Yes. So, you know, getting struck by lightning is not an everyday occurrence. Nothing you expect a phone call from of a, so your husband was just struck by lightning. I was like, come on, that's not possible. Who gets that happening in their life? We've just lost all four of our parents and our business and our house, everything. How can we, how can this happen? Well, sure enough, that was the case. And it was a three-year journey of just living in fight flight mode for me. Praise God. God, I did not have a stable practice to be in because it was too hard for me to already have to call in sick because, you know, my of my parents, my husband had meningitis. Now to be at this place where we've got, you know, he's struck by lightning. I, I knew I had dental hygiene to fall back on after we just lost everything. I started subbing. I started looking into, hey, can I go back to dental school? Maybe I should go to dental school. That would be fun. You know, it finally pursued that dream of why did dental hygiene come to me in that dental school? I fell in love with dental hygiene. My hygienist when I was five was beautiful. Oh my gosh, she was beautiful. She just got back from Switzerland and I thought, what a great career. I could travel around the world and be a hygienist. Are you kidding me? <laughs> why not? Right? I could be an international hygienist. That can't be hard. Ha. Huh. Well, you know, that didn't happen. Had some different plans. But uh, you forget about those dreams. And all of a sudden, you're like, what? What's your purpose? Like, why is all this weird stuff happening? And, you know, it's not just weird. It's tragic. It's, you know, kind of like you said, it's kind of the a twilight zone, which we felt like, you know, we had that black cloud traveling over us for so long. Mm -hmm. Like, just stop, find someone else. Just, you know, head over the ocean for a while. Leave us alone. Just stop picking on us. Right. Yeah, I was done. Well, the cloud wasn't done. He, you know, from being in a helmet to being in the emergency room five to seven days a week, praise God for dear friends that, you know, took our kids under their wing and said, sure, we'll take the kids because what else do I do? You can't ever thank someone enough for that. No matter how many years go by, you can't ever say thanks enough. And how can I repay you? And they don't do it because they want that. They do it out of love. And you never even know where you're at at the time in your life. But the impact that ha that had on my kids, good, bad, and different, it's just at this point, we just kind of laugh. It's just our family. So, you know, it's, getting back into dentistry was different. You know, now I had that whole business mindset. You I had new tools on, in your tool belt. Holy cow, did I have the business tools. So now I walk into offices and, you know, to sub and the docs are like, hey, can I talk to you? Like, sure. What's up, doc? They're like, so I had a question, like, how are you talking to patients? I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, you know, I've been trying to talk to this patient about getting a bridge 
for 15 years, all of a sudden they talk to you. They don't know you from anyone. You talk to them about a bridge and whitening and veneers and just transforming their whole mouth. And they said, that's a great idea. Like, what did you do? I was like, I just had a conversation with them. So what had happened for my business experience was you learn how to connect with people in a different way. But my whole foundation of it was speaking from the heart. When you genuinely share from your heart, people hear that. When you're speaking the business and you're trying to sell something, you're trying to, you know, just say, this is what you need and get really impersonal about it. The patients feel it. Your clients feel it. People you talk to feel it. And it's just, it's not authentic and genuine. And it made a giant difference. And all of a sudden I thought, hmm, how many more docs can I work for? I don't know. So at that point, it was maybe 40, 50 docs, different offices I had been working for and said, you know what? I'm going to go back to school. Why not? I'll throw that in my hat too. <laughs> I remember you doing that. Yeah. So, you know, 2009 came around. My husband had just... uh gotten the release about three years later from his, his lightning strike and said, you know, he spent so much time in the back of an ambulance and in an emergency room, why not go to school? So he wanted to go on to be a paramedic, got his EMT license. And that was no easy task. Having a brain injury, um, his frontal lobe was impacted pretty significantly. So his memory was not good. Got a lot of support through school and proudly graduated as an EMT. You know, started at the bottom and worked their way up. Unfortunately, here in West Michigan, it's a lot different than what I'm used to in Chicago. You know, the the paramedics and the EMTs, they work with the municipality. They're part of the municipality. Here, it's private, at least in this part. So him working for a private company uh, was was a gift for the simple fact that he had a lot of flexibility and, you know, they really, they worked closely with him and just, you know, followed him and said, Hey, can we have you for trainings? Your heart rate's this because of your lightning strike. And, you know, can you, can you help us with trainings with the new, new students and whatnot? So he was, he was loving that part of, of why he was struck by lightning. The impact we all noticed at home in a much different way. For me, I thought, well, you're going to school. I want to go to school. Why not? Why not? I mean, everyone's doing it. I can be a non-traditional student. So, yep, I was the mom, you guys, in the corner with with the little boy in the background. I'm like, shh, <laughs> do your homework. Color this page. Read this book. He's like, mom, I got to pee. And like, it's outside. I showed you where it was. <laughs> Forget it. Lay in the hallway. Play out there. Nothing will happen. Like, what do you do, right? You've got a dream. You've got a vision. I already have a bachelor's degree because I thought, why not go back and get two? Everyone needs two bachelor's degrees in the same degree. <laughs> I mean, well, this one was a pre-med degree, so biomedical science. And I thought, you know, these, here I am in the classroom and the, the professors kept saying, huh, well, you guys learned this in school. You learned this in school. And I'm thinking, no, I did not learn. I am 40 some odd years old. I did not learn this in school. They did not teach me all the Krebs cycle in high school. They did not teach me accounting in high school. And I, you know, I went to a private school. I went to the oldest uh, parochial school in the world, Luther North, Luther High School North, to be formal. The education from there was remarkable, too. But, you know, at the time, the Chicago public schools weren't the best, and it was always a threat. So we had students from all over the city coming to us, uh, to the school. I was there because my dad was an alumni. So I had the, a great foundation, but gosh... High school changed. 
what they teach in high school was a lot different than what I learned. I mean, you know, I went to Chicago and they're talking about Chicago math. I'm like, what is that? Who invented this? And so I did, I felt out of my element, you know, toting the kids around, um, hoping that this experience with them would get them to fall in love with education. It did just the opposite, unfortunately. But, you know, during that time, it just, I fell in love with just learning and teaching and growing and my passion for hygiene, you know, I was only able to sub a little bit here and there because I didn't want to miss classes. But then, you know, you come to the point of you've got to take care of your family. So what do you do? Um, so on occasion, I would, you know, I would sub. I'd miss class. I had students that had my back. And I tell you, now all of a sudden I became a Grand Valley Laker. And I tell you what, those Lakers, they're pretty awesome. The class, the classmates that I had, either they were traditional students or they were non-traditional students. Not, I was definitely the oldest one in the class, but uh, they, you know, they took me under their wing and they're like, Jen, let's, you know, we're going to have a study club. Let's get together. Or, you know, Hey, I've got, and I never expected anyone to take notes from me, by the way, but they offered and I never took advantage of that either. It was really important to me to figure this out on my own. It was hard for me to accept grace and ex humble myself enough to accept the gifts that these friends offered because you know I was the one always giving to other people. I think it was maybe my way of avoiding stuff. So here we are, you know, I'm in, I'm knee deep into college and uh, I'm trying to raise this precious little family that's just overcome this crazy tragedy and then get get into a pretty bizarre place with my daughter. Um, took about a year to figure it out, but you know, she was 11 at the time and she had disclosed that she'd been sexually assaulted by a family friend. Now as a mom, that should have been enough to rock my world and put me in a whole different place. When something happens to any of your kids, no matter if it's your little boy or your little girl, your kids are, your life. I mean, you, you turn into mama bear mode and I didn't know how to take and process all that. Look back, you know, my dad was an incredible, well-decorated Chicago police officer. He would mentor the, the guys that he arrested in prison and make sure they were taken care of when they got out. A lot of these guys were the ones that were at my house for Christmas parties because my dad said, I believe in you. And you know, we're going to, we're going to transform your life. We're going to make a change in your life. And so I looked at my daughter and I thought, wow, I realized it wasn't about me at this time. She had held this in for a year and she was afraid to say anything because she didn't want his kids to lose their dad. That's a big decision for a 10 year old to make and to live with. But, you know, through my poking and prodding and just those those battles she just disclosed but was very it was not an easy disclosure it's not like she just said this happened to me it was through a lot of head shakes and nods it was a yes or no head shake or nod of I can't tell you and I thought okay well now again through all of the training that we had to go through owning our daycare centers knowing that we were mandated reporters as a dental hygienist knowing that as a daycare center, we had to work very closely with CPS. Thought I never thought that all that was part of my story and what I'd have to do to take care of my own daughter. 
she uh, she displayed a huge level of uh, just strength and pers perseverance, right? She, uh, that girl, <laughs> darn it. You didn't tell me. <laughs> I probably going to get so emotional here. Sorry, you guys. But let me tell you, when, uh, when you go through just one tragedy, you have a choice. I learned, I had a choice, not you, but we overall have a choice. And the choice that I learned that I had was with each and every tragedy we had, we could choose to be a victim of it or we could choose to be a survivor of it. And putting all that together in what felt like five seconds from when she disclosed until I, I did this, I looked at her and I said, honey, you need to make a decision. Are you going to be a survivor or are you going to be a victim? And that was probably a really big question, a big responsibility to put on her. But she'd already you know, held this in for a year. And so my, my guess is I, she may or may not have already made that decision, but she said, I want to be a survivor. And I said, thank you, Jesus. What that meant for an 11 year old in my mind was she wanted to find a way to overcome this. And she wanted to find a way to heal so that it would have the least amount of negative impact on anyone around her you know, protecting her little brother, protecting her parents. It was, she just, she fell into that mode. And of course we went through the steps. We, you know, reported it, all of these things, went to trial. He was in prison, sex offender registry the rest of his life, all of that. Um, and during that time when she made that decision, you know, I, I allowed her to make that the to draw out the path, let me say that, to, to create that, the steps that she wanted to do to heal, one of which was raise enough money for the organization that she went through or counseling through. And she found out it cost $1,000. She came home, she says, Mom, it costs $1,000 for one child to go through the, the treatment. I said, holy cow, you know, their youngest victim was six, six weeks old. So you have these amazing providers there that are just trying to help these little kiddos get better and to, you know, feel that they have control in their life. And so I said, okay, how do you want to do this? And they said, well, let's write some letters and I'll mail them out to every single person I know. I was just getting my feet wet in social media at that time. Had no idea what messenger looked like. It's funny to pull up a message from someone and I'm like, oh my gosh, I sent this to them. How long ago? <laughs> She's going to be 24 now this summer and uh, has a, a remarkable life that she's living. But, you know, looking back at social media, I'm like, well, thank goodness for this. How can we do this? And, you know, again, it's that it's that perseverance piece and that moxie of, you know, we're going to we're going to power through this. We've got that determination. We have the focus. She's getting healthier. And as she got healthier, she wanted to help other people. Well, her story was shared in the front page of the newspaper. We did fundraisers. Um, her goal was to raise a thousand dollars. A friend from high school sent her a thousand dollar check. That was, I'm like, okay, mission accomplished. And I thought, do we stop here? Well, then she got a private anonymous $10,000 donation. Then the, people were just sending money to the facility. And I had no idea. All of a sudden you get skilled in fund development, right? 
and why aren't more people helping? And then you learn there's stories and then you get involved in the community. So I tell you what, this never ending journey just keeps evolving and keeps me transforming. Holy cow. To say this all started with a dream of being a dental hygienist. Then I was an entrepreneur. Now we're getting knee deep in fund development. All as you're raising your family and trying not to lose your mind. From there now it gets, a you know, you get deeper into your passion and you're in school and your professors are looking at you saying, uh, where have you been? <laughs> oh, I was only, I only took a week off. Like, no, Jen, you, you've actually been gone for four weeks. I'm like, I have? And they're like, yeah. They said, guess what? You're, you're going to go talk to the dean of students because we're giving you a medical withdrawal. And I thought, what is, I don't even know what that meant. Like, people can do that. I mean, this, of course, students that have cancer and, you know, I've, have had horrible, horrible things happen to them, but why me, you know? And so I went and my GPA had dropped significantly because I'd missed so much. Talked to the dean of students. He goes, I know your story. And I said, well, that's great. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> I'm trying to play light with the whole situation. And he was pretty devastated. He said, I want you to know. He said, I've all those pictures on my desk. That's my family. Those are my children and grandchildren. And he said, how you've gotten through this, I don't know that I could have. He said, but you need to take care of your daughter right now. And he said, we're, you know, we're giving you a medical withdrawal. I didn't know what that meant. What that meant was I, I wasn't financially responsible for the classes that I was almost through. My, everything got reversed. Of course, I didn't get credits for those classes and that was fine. So I did get to take accounting or not accounting, but um, statistics multiple times. And that was okay. I aced the class. I loved it. But the grace that I was given by Grand Valley was something I could have never expected. And that was that empathy piece that no one felt sorry for me. Everyone was saying, how can I help? And again, it, it ignited something inside of me to say more needs to happen. And these people need to, they, they don't, they do these things out of the kindness of their heart. They don't help people for recognition which was a reflection of, you know, who my husband's parents were and who my parents were and, you know, the sacrifices that we're always making because we want to help. And then to see my daughter flourish from what she went through to actually having women that are 50, 60 years old coming up to her, disclosing to her, saying, I know you're only 16 at this, now it was, you know, five years later. She's like, Mom, I'm 16 years old and I have the lunch ladies talking to me and saying I've ne they've never been able to tell anyone before they told me their story. And now it's helping her manage through those emotions, right? And helping her get the support that she needed to know how to manage these disclosures, which really weren't her responsibility, but people trusted her. And that was a whole new new thing that again, your life experience, you never really know where it's going to take you. So grace was, was given upon our family pretty significantly. Empathy was a part of this journey that was expressed to us in a way that I didn't think was possible. Then to get through this was, I still want to pursue my dream. I want to go to dental school, but I have to finish my degree. Well, 
I started again, and then I had to get a second medical withdrawal because her offender was getting released from prison, and she did not take that very well. So the emotional impact that that had, there was no way that I could stay in school, and it was already too late to withdraw. And while unheard of to do one, Grand Valley gave me two. Again, I I was willing to pay for the classes. This wasn't their responsibility. But to just show the grace and uh, the love that they had for their students was pretty incredible. So I finally graduated in 2013. Woo, woo. <laughs> Much later than I was hoping, hoping to get the kids, you know, moved. And, you know, Detroit Mercy was on my hot, hot spot for a for dental school because, you know, I just, I love their community service and which was important to me based on the fund development that we did and just getting engaged with the community. Unfortunately, it, the timing for the kids wasn't right and they'd already been through too much. And I said, okay, enough's enough. So we didn't, I didn't pursue dental school. I thought I'll get my master's degree, see what happens. And, you know, life happened again. I'm life. I tell you. <laughs> It's, it's not necessarily going through it, right? But it's a matter of what we do with the experiences that we have that could truly be transformational. And that is what happened. So I went on to get my master's degree and uh, six credits shy of completing it, I was offered a dream job as a dental hygienist. I thought, ooh, I can pull everything in. I can do my business experience. I can use my people skills my communication skills, my clinical skills, and I can become a territory hygiene manager. Holy cow, that's a big title. I'm like, got my own credit card. What does all this mean? <laughs> you know? You use the credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Are we, I, I haven't used a credit card. I, we canceled everything. I don't know, at that time, 12 years prior. So like, I don't even have credit. We lost everything. So now all of a sudden you're telling me you're going to give me a credit card and I, I don't have credit, you know? And so jumped into that full force. Thought I was just, I was going to do amazing things. And I did. I mean, I won an award. Uh, it was the first year that this true title came in and, you know, I, I won their, the highest prestige award that they could offer. And I thought, wow, you know, what did you do? What did you do? And I thought, I just loved on the people. I just loved on the teams. They deserve that. I loved on the doctors. I loved on the assistants and the office managers, the the front office staff. I tell you, honestly, the hardest job in an entire dental office is the people that are answering the phone. Those patient service representatives or whatever you call them in your office, that is a hard job because they're managing the doc saying, put this person here, put this person here. They're managing all the team running up, checking the schedule. Why'd you put so-and-so here? Then they've got the patients calling upset about bills or insurance or they're in pain. And, you know, wow, that's a hard job. <laughs> I'm exhausted just trying to talk about it. Yes, they, they wear their shields. Yes. And then to have that, that smiling face when the patient walks in the door. Uh if they're not appreciated well in in any office, they should be. They deserve special recognition every day for what they do because they're really that frontline defense for both the patients and the team. I mean, they're that mediator there. So uh, when I started traveling to these different offices throughout the entire state, 
it was so different. Every office had a different personality. And I thought, how can I intervene with each office, help the docs reach their goals, help the hygienist reach theirs, and allow the team to come together and, you know, become a united force for those goals. Lots of great trainings, lots of great, uh, great books that, you know, they could guide you through. But the piece that I always noticed was missing was I had a dental background and everyone else that came into the management didn't. So they missed that, um, that piece of empathy. And I'll, I'll, I guess we could, we could title this whole thing empathy, right? They missed that because regardless of what they were going through in their life or what they didn't, they just had a job mentality. They're like, this is my J-O-B and I come from big box stores and I'm just going to help run the numbers. And I thought, I can't, the numbers are going to come. And you know why? Because when we speak from the heart, everyone's going to feel it. The team is going to feel it coming from the doc. The doc's going to feel it coming from the team. And when we listen and we hear what everyone is saying, but what their needs are, and we really focus primarily on the patient and the patient solely, it opens up our heart to say, this is possible. And how can we do that? So I had the privilege of doing that for nearly two years and tied in all the experience that I had to that job. I mean, I was falling asleep at my dining room table at two, three o'clock in the morning because the system shut down. So I couldn't work anymore. I was like, I'll take a quick nap until 4.30 a.m. when it turned on again. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was crazy. Well, it was crazy. And, you know, it, it got to be a, to a point where you thought, huh, what's going on with me? So I'd look at myself in the mirror and I saw that shining, you know, girl that was climbing up 14 flights of stairs at Northwestern University in my dorm room way back in the 90s. What was really happening, though, was this terribly unhealthy person that I didn't even recognize anymore. So all my tragedies that I went through, not one of them had nearly the physical and emotional impact on me as the burden of keeping up with corporate dentistry. Now, I'm not here to bash that by any means because it's done a remarkable job of giving offices, giving patients the care that they need, giving dentists the jobs that might be difficult, hiring more hygienists than any private practice could dream of, and really offering that opportunity for jobs and work and employment, which is so important, especially after you know this, this pandemic. But on the flip side of it, for the management piece, I didn't know how to manage myself. I knew how to manage other people, guide them, and not be their boss. I was never a boss. I was truly wanting to just partner with them to say, how can we help you reach your goals? And what are your goals? What are your dreams? What do you want to accomplish with your business? What do you want to accomplish personally? How can we find that work-life balance? And as far as my perspective was, the most important patient in that practice was the one sitting in your chair. And every day that's how I practice when I was doing clinical. There's not one patient more important than the one that you're taking care of. They deserve your undivided attention. They deserve to know what's going on in their health, in their mouth, and be able to make an informed decision. You know, if we're, we can't judge a patient, we can't judge a person based on what they're, they're wearing 
based on what we think they can afford or can't afford based on their education or lack thereof. Really, it's taking the opportunity to look at that patient, look at their mouth and make that assessment. And when we share that with them, we are vested in them and they feel that and they know it. And oh boy, what a difference that makes. When, you know, the case acceptance rises because we're sharing our heart. You know, was this something I did long ago? Mm-mm. I didn't know any better. I didn't know. The doctor said, hey, Mrs. Smith needs three crowns. Okay, Mrs. Smith, you know, Dr. Smith says that you need this. It was the, through all this experience where I'm like, hmm, this is what makes me tick. Why wouldn't this be something that is, is really affecting the patient too? So now you start sharing that and you can't teach this sometimes, right? But what you can ask of people is to share their heart and make those connections. Don't worry about the next patient coming in. Don't be thinking about your whole day. I This may be voodoo on here and I'm sorry if it is. I'm not a fan of morning huddles because that schedule changes like the wind. I'm not a fan of going through the schedule for the day and going through the schedule for next week and the schedule from yesterday. And holy cow, I sit in offices as, as when I'm a sub and I'm thinking, what are we doing? And then, cause you know what? Half those patients are not in the schedule anymore. And we just wasted valuable time that we could have been talking about something to engage the team, something to inspire the team, to celebrate the team, then trying to get all regimented with the day. The dental assistants are so smart. They know what they have to get set up. You tell them, Hey, we're, we're going to, you know, prep the, for, we're doing a surgical extraction. They know right away what they need. They don't need to be prepared for that. That's right. We do. You know, it's just brilliant. The, the DAs are, haha, my big frat Greek wedding. One of my favorite movies. What does the wife said? Say, she's like, you may be the head of the household, but I'm the neck. <laughs> DA. <laughs> You guys are the neck. <laughs> I'll have to steal that from you. <laughs> it's not for me. It's for my big fat Greek wedding. But really, they are, right? The dental assistants, they're the neck. They tell the docs where to go and what to do, and they get everything set up. They get, they get the doc set up for success. And uh, not appreciating that, which I'm not saying they don't, but let's take less time away from focusing on the schedule and focus more on supporting our staff. Because exactly. when we when we do that, oh, we're loving our patients, right? We kind of love that staff. Now, I'm I'm going to share this is when I got so unhealthy, um, I had gotten to my heaviest. Holy cow, I got I had gotten to my heaviest. I didn't recognize that. But what was happening was we got I got so engaged in the business piece of it, I forgot about myself. Which is often what happens when we we're in dental offices. And so so when you look at, in the mirror and you see yourself and you're like, huh, who's that? You don't really recognize yourself. And so while uh, offices were celebrating and, you know, whatnot, I was not taking care of myself because I'd gotten so consumed in helping everyone else take care of themselves. I forgot who I was. And when I say that, you know, taking care of the docs, taking care of the teams, 
and I forgot to take care of myself and I got into a pretty bad place physically, um, physiologically, emotionally. My marriage was on the, on the fritz and it was, it was a time where I thought, geez, after everything we've been through, this is going to be the breaking point. Holy cow. And of course it, you know, it always is two ways. There was, there was a lot of, uh, of things that happened, you know, with my husband as well. But, uh, I say husband because yes, we're still together. Just celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary. But my, I forgot to take care of me. And I finally, I think that was like my wall. That was, I hit it. I didn't build one. I hit one. <laughs> I it was, a, it was a really hard wall. There may have been a time I thought maybe I should run into one. I don't know, but it was like, wow, that was, it hit me like a, a ton of bricks. And I looked to myself and my doctor looked at me and she's like, Jen, you're, you're going downhill real fast. And I thought, geez, thanks for being so honest with me here. I'm encouraging people to be honest with their patients and to say, Hey, we need to have those difficult conversations with their patients. And who was getting one being presented to them, but me, <laughs> I was, and she's like, so you're, you know, you're high risk for stroke. You're pre-diabetic. And uh, we're going to get you on metformin. And I thought, you're not putting me on metformin. I know exactly what that is, and I do not want to be on that. And she's like, well, you've gained a lot of weight. You're 230 pounds. Your thyroid's pretty hot. It's a hot mess. And uh, if we don't make any changes, it's going to be pretty detrimental. And I thought, mm-mm, that's not going to happen to me. I left her office pretty angry and definitely feeling sorry for myself. Came home and was somehow looking for sympathy. I don't know why, because that's not really me, but I just wanted someone to say, you're doing great. And instead, it was that real, real conversations. You know, I shared with you, I had that with my daughter. Do you want to be a victim or a survivor? And she looked at me, she goes, mom, you're not taking care of yourself. And what you're doing now is going to have a lasting impact, not just on you, but us as a family. And if things get so bad, mom, that you need someone to take care of you. She says, we're going to put you in a nursing home. And I was like, excuse me? You know, that, what are you talking about? So I'm going to be 50 this year. So I'm 49. I had this conversation with her when I was 46. And I thought, what do you, I'm not going to be in a nursing home when I'm, by the time I'm 50. And she's like, well, if, according to the doctor, that might be possible if, you know, if you have a stroke or a heart attack, or what if you're not even here? And I thought, wow. That was not the conversation I expected. <laughs> I expected more of, oh, you're doing great. You know, just that. Now, I guess, honestly, I was looking for sympathy. And uh, that doesn't work. Not when you have to have a difficult conversation. Sympathy is not is not the always the best, best choice. And I was really great at expressing empathy to others. But uh, I, I needed that honest conversation, that difficult conversation. I went on, reached out to a friend that was making changes and said, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going nowhere fast. And she's like, let me help you. So I took on a personal coach and holy cow, that was, that was crazy. I talk about consulting offices. I talk about coaching teams and 
let's really focus and celebrate them. And I could do that in a heartbeat. I love doing that stuff. What was hard for me was to take care of myself because I had been in fight, flight, and survival mode. I'd been in caregiver mode for, geez, just like the week after we got home from our honeymoon. My husband went into anaphylaxia because he had aspirin. You know, seven times in one day, that's kind of hard on the body. And then it just all kept happening. So for all these years, I had been taking care of everyone, making sure that things were, you know, we, we had a roof over our head. And it was just how I was raised. I was raised to do that. And uh, when it came time to my world, my personal world falling down, me inside was breaking down. That, that was not something I'd anticipated. So I, I embarked on transforming my habits and I embarked on the ability to look at what habits I had for myself, which was not good. I wasn't drinking enough water. I was eating one giant meal a day. I was, gosh, I was living off of M&Ms and these amazing giant chocolate chip cookies. All the treats that dental offices get, mm-mm, they are good, aren't they? <laughs> we are total hypocrites. Do as we say, not as we do. Absolutely. Holy cow. You know, you walk in, you got candy, you got bowls of candy, you've got, you know, uh, for the big corporate offices, they've got management coming in and just dropping junk on the back table and big birthday cakes and cupcakes yeah. and all these things. It's just, it's a feeding frenzy. And I think I, I couldn't wait to get to an office because I was starving. I couldn't wait to sneak out the back and grab a cu cupcake as I walked out or two. And just because I was starving and it was, I was so tired and I was totally addicted to sugar. Didn't even realize it. You know, when we look at a picture of our brain on cocaine versus sugar, there's not much of a difference. They both have the same impact. And as I started learning this, you know, you guys know my, I love education. So as I started learning more about this, I thought, oh, I am exactly what's happening in the book. This is exactly what's happening. My life's falling apart and I'm killing myself from the inside out. But gosh, I could sure fake it until I made it. I could smile. I could, you know, I could walk into a room and just love on everybody. But little did I know that everyone was noticing I wasn't loving on myself. And that was the hardest part. So I wanted to see what was possible. And if one, you know, kind of if I could prove my doctor wrong. Um, sometimes I think, gosh, I would love it if my patients could prove me wrong, right? Just prove me wrong and floss your teeth every day. Let's see what happens. Take the challenge. <laughs> Everybody's doing it. <laughs> right, exactly. And so I thought, well, I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to start taking my own advice, taking care of myself and just see what's possible. Well, you know, I had dropped the weight that I was told I never would. Um, I, I shed 60 pounds and just lost eight more. And in the meantime, I thought, wow, this is a gift. What can I do to help other people? And, you know, at this time I was knee deep back in clinical. I had stopped uh, in management. It definitely was something that was destroying me. Um, and when I got back in clinical, I'm like, this is my passion. I love it. I was willing to do whatever. Floated around offices, loved it. Loved to be able to sweep in, help, leave, not get all wrapped up in the, the office drama. And just start focusing on myself. And wow, April, that, that was the game changer for me is I made myself a priority. No matter what, I cannot ask my patients to make themselves a priority when I wasn't making myself a priority. 
you know, I, I can't go to the doctor and hear from the doctor saying, Hey, you got to eat, you know, less, less carbs. You've got to, you know, avoid pop. You've got to do this. And I'm sitting there looking at the doctor and the doctor's blood pressure is elevated. You could, you could just see it. You can tell that the doctor's unhealthy, that, you know, they themselves are not taking care of themselves. And I think, huh, I can't, I can't, I can't be that. I can't be that hypocrite. So I didn't even realize it until it was thrown in my face. And I, I will forever thank my doctor for saving my life. And when I said, hmm, this is what, what's going on in my life, took the changes to change those habits, I thought, what can I do to help other people do this? And that's what changed me from being stuck in a place as a clinician that in the office I was in was so toxic. It was truly destroying me emotionally from the inside out. There was no appreciation. There was, there was no passion for the people. It was all about the business, all about the numbers. And as I was floating around to see other, you know, to help other offices and support them, uh, I was seeing so many different things. It was like magical. I'm like, wow, it restored my hope in dentistry is what it really did. And of course, this was after we reopened, you know, after that, the pandemic. Then what hurt was to see how many people lost themselves during the pandemic. You know, people gaining, you know, the COVID-19, the, and there was the, not just the 19, there was the 20, the 50, the 100. I've had people reach out to me that have gained a hundred pounds since, you know, March of last year. That's significant. And I thought there needs to be, they need help. Not they need help to lose weight. They need help to transform their habits. What did I do? Um, and so it really turned this into me coaching and helping people transform their habits from the disease-filled life that they got used to or addicted to because it was easy. I mean, I did. You know, I couldn't wait to have that cupcake back on the break room table. And I think, why are we not setting our staff up for success? Why aren't we setting ourselves up for success, right? As, you know, when we walk into an office, do we really want to bring your grandma's favorite cookie recipe every day to work? Because I tell you what, I'm going to challenge everyone listening. When you're, when you bring in that stuff to your office and you put it on the table and you watch your staff eat it, your coworkers, I want you to pay attention what happens 30 minutes later. They start getting tired start getting irritable, all of a sudden they're gone again because they're going to get more. And next thing you know, it's gone. Who ate all the bagels and cream cheese? Where'd all the cupcakes go? Well, the problem is, is we're not fueling our brains the way that we should. And now your staff are struggling. The, the team is not working optimally because what are we giving them? We're not giving them what they need. And if, if we can, can say, Hey, this is what I expect as, you know, as providers or as business owners. And if the docs are saying, I'm going to put, you know, we need to meet this, this, and this, these are our goals. And if you meet this goal, you get this. Well, are we setting them up for success so that they can every day? It's a daily effort. Are we, are we really allowing them to be celebrated and be recognized? Are we saying thank you and acknowledging what they do and in from the heart? 
it gets so monotonous. I sit in offices and everyone's slumped back. They're, you know, gorging on, <laughs> on their yogurt or their bagels or just sucking down as much coffee as they can. Uh, let's go through the schedule and trying to make it, you know, enthusiastic and it's difficult, but they're already not excited about the day because it doesn't change. And now to put them at risk, you know, and, and if we're not focusing on what we need to from the CDC guidelines for, you know, the to make dentistry safe, make those offices safe again. And now the teams that feels that they're at a higher risk. And sometimes that's very true. I've seen some scary places since I've, you know, I was out in, in the clinical world as a sub was known as a traveling hygienist. And it, I was scared what I saw. You know, there's from one extreme to the next, docs doing nothing to docs going above and beyond. And it just, it's incredible to see what some of these offices are doing. It just, I couldn't be more proud of these doctors that have truly invested in transforming their practice to make it a safe place for their, their themselves, their patients, and their staff. But if we don't acknowledge that there is a true fear from our, our team, from our staff, from our patients. And if we're not truly showing empathy to them, we're going to lose them. And we're losing staff all the time. People don't want to come back to dentistry because it's scary. I'm scared. You know, when I walk into an office, it's scary what I see. Uh, it's And I wish it was consistently amazing across the board. It's not. But it's kind of our responsibility to make it that. So if we start from the basics, if we love on our staff, if we love on our patients and we love on ourselves, what is possible, we, we can't even see yet. What we thought was possible with just that vision that we had, pff, it gets blown out of the water because all of a sudden we're truly vested and we're taking care of ourselves. We're taking care of each other in the office. We're lifting each other up and that it becomes a community, right? And that's one of the things that, you know, I coach to, I coach to a healthy mind, a healthy body and a healthy business. And so I'm, I'm consulting offices and teams to say, Hey, what can we do to help transform your practice? Because it really, when that transformation happens, what's possible is beyond what the docs could dream, what the hygiene team can dream, what the office manager believes is possible. Are we using all the tools that we have figuratively and physically? Are we taking care of ourselves as much as we can so that we can be our best? And I tell you what, um, I feel like I can speak from experience with everything I've been through that the more we are able to say yes to our health, our own health, the more we're willing to share our story and be transparent with it. People start to trust us more, our staff, the docs, the team, the patients, the people in our world. And we create this surrounding of of a true community, there lies the difference. So, you know, if offices are reaching out of, you know, I've, 
Ah, oh, just lost another hygienist. Or, oh, they keep calling in sick. Why are they calling in sick? You know, when uh, I had a, the pleasure of going out to Arizona to do some consulting for practice out there um, the beginning of May. That was so cool, by the way. What a difference the <laughs> scenery from West Michigan to Arizona. Oh, yeah, the, the dryness, the desert. Yes, it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And uh, to walk in that office, man, it was bumping. I mean, they were hopping. It's just they do a cheer before every every day once they're done with their morning huddle. But their huddles are so enthusiastic. I'm like, this is everything that I talk about. You know, this is everything that I consult for. Is let's get the team going, and you know, everyone's excited to be there. Okay, what are we going to do for the day? Whose lives are we going to impact? And the doc's forever investing in new technology. And you know, she just recently invested in Epic. That is incredible. A whole software system that communicates with the medical world. Mind-blowing. A dream come true, right? Bridging medical and dental together has been like my my passion my entire career. It's 30 years almost. Finally, finally it's happening. Yes, and it's possible if everyone's willing to invest in it. But the neat thing with that is, is there's no more hidden, uh, hidden agendas with, you know, I'll just fix my smile. Well, I'd love to fix your smile, but... Talk to me more about your medical health. You know, you, you forgot to tell us about that on your health history. Because, you know, sadly, on so many patients are the mindset that it's just the dentist. I don't have to tell them that. Well, yeah, let's talk about it. You know, let's make sure that we're truly looking at the patient in their entirety from their head to their toes. You know, what a great time when that patient's laying down to check, check out their feet. I forever talk to patients about their shoes, but then I'm also like, hey, so can we talk a little bit? about what's going on with your ankles they're like oh and guess what all of a sudden it's like why are you talking to me about my ankles you're my dental hygienist well actually your teeth and that periodontal disease i've been talking to you about has a big impact on your diabetes it does it does so let's talk about your feet you know and it becomes full circle when we're not afraid to talk to patients about their holistic health when we're not afraid to talk to people in general about who they are and what's possible for them and give them hope. I mean, my, I, to be a beacon of hope for people is really my passion. Uh, it, it's possible. And the more that we do to help people one-on-one and my focus, you know, as a, as a consultant is to not just help the doctor's dreams come true, but help the staff focus on them. And allow and guide of how we can build that healthy surrounding because it's so important, right? It's one of the it's one of the big elements in creating those healthy habits. And from there, it's <laughs> now what is possible. And so we take all of this life experience that we have, and either we're responding to it or we're reacting. I was reacting for so long. When I understood the importance of having that healthy mind, which then created a healthy body, now we wrap that into what can we do to help with that business piece? And when, when we're willing to be transparent and with the, the offices that I consult and the clients that I consult with, when they're honest, that means something. That means they're healing, right? That means they're ready. We can, we can hop into any dental office that we want, right, April? And we can identify all the issues. 
But if no one's ready to hear it, if the team isn't, the doc isn't, then it falls on deaf ears. Just like, you know, with me with, with coaching, you know, being a life coach is fantastic. People reach out, they want the help, but if they're not ready, the worst thing that could happen is they fail and no one wants that. So I failed plenty in my life. I grew from it, but where I am now is such a different place in my life than I was, you know, gosh, how long ago? Five years ago, where I was 10 years ago. And yes, we grow, we change. If we're willing to change, change just doesn't happen, right? If we're willing to accept it and say, huh, here's all these steps I took in my life. I've climbed many mountains physiologically with my health, figuratively in my life. But hmm, that impact that it all had, I made a choice to use that as a foundation. And I want to share that. I want to share not my whole story. Thanks for listening. I know it's long. No, no, it's 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 enthralling. That's why I haven't talked too much, you guys. <laughs> so what's the big picture here? What's the big takeaway? Take care of yourself. Love yourself. If you can't and you don't know how or you're to that point where it's like, listen, this is what I want out of my career. This is what I want out of my business. This is what I want out of my life. Making yourself a priority is going to help. Now, I'm not saying selfishly. I'm not saying, you know, go out and buy that motorcycle or that car or do something that's going to be hazardous to your income, your finances, or your life. But rather turn around and invest in yourself and get yourself healthy and take care of yourself. Allow your team the opportunity to take care of themselves too. So if, if you're a doc listening, consider making some different choices for staff, staff meals. If you're an office manager, look at your team and say, you know what, guys, let's make a change. Do you have to do a weight loss challenge? No. Maybe make some habits. Ask the team what habits they'd like to change. Because we can come in and we can throw a whole bunch of information at everybody. But if that's not their vested interest, if that's not their dream, it's not going to happen. But when we get to help each other accomplish their dreams, both professionally and personally, it it can truly impact everyone's lives in a way that we didn't think was possible. I didn't. I didn't think it was possible. So here I am full-time consulting, coaching, showing people what's possible, giving them the opportunity to make those changes. And, you know, it's that whole moxie piece we talked about. Yep. So I'm like, okay, what would be a good thing? So, you know, that's where moxie health consulting came in. And, uh, you know, showing that transformation from where we were to where we're going and persevering through it all. It's pretty cool. Well, Jen, I am absolutely thrilled that you were able to tell your story and you're a fantastic speaker. No ums. (laughs) I'm impressed. one, sorry. But no, I'm, seriously, thank you so much for telling your story. Everybody, like she said, it's Moxie Consulting. Look it up. 
Um, that's a great name, by the way. Thanks. Yeah. And, and you can see Jen has a lot of moxie. yeah my my team is fun team moxie and there's qualifications to be part of team moxie let me tell you not really but it is it's it's important that you know i partner with people that are are willing to grow and that are like hey listen i'm i'm vested in this i'm vested in making those changes in myself and does it have to be overnight no it's a transformation that happens over time and when they're completely integrated, it shows that they have moxie, that they have listened to themselves and they are like, I need to share this gift. And I can't believe the changes that I've seen in myself. And they're like, thank you. And I'm like, no, it's not me. It was you. You made the choice. You know, I was just the, the vessel to help you get there. Um, so, you know, be it personal coaching, consulting and practices, it all boils down to the same the same habits that we need to adopt. And when we're given that opportunity and we make that decision, things transform. But ultimately what I can say is, is don't be afraid to say thank you. Don't be afraid to look at yourself in the mirror and say, it's time to change. Because guess what? The letter that your future self is going to write to you now, your present self, it's going to be pretty incredible. When I look back at where I was, I thank myself all the time to, from who I was back in 2016, 2017. I thank that person all the time. I look at pictures. The picture of you and I from 2017 at the midwinter meeting in Chicago. Yes. Holy cow. I can remember that moment. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. Look at where I've come. It's crazy. Oh, I know. That was quite a pivotal moment. Yeah. We each other again. Yeah, it was. And I look back at that and I think, wow, that's, you know, that's right when I was making that decision to transition back into clinical and then shortly thereafter made that decision to take care of myself. And it changed my whole life. So whether, you know, we're we're stuck in the operatory because we need to be or you know, we're venturing out on some, on, on a new, on a new passion. We have to, we ultimately have to take care of ourselves, offer ourselves the ability to eat properly, keep hydrated, get connected with a good community, surround ourselves with good stuff when we're in the office. If there's office drama, don't be part of it. Don't contribute to it. Transform it. Don't buy a ticket. Don't be in with the audience. Yeah, right. Just just re- recognize that what's happening. But I do. I want to challenge everyone to notice what happens when the bagels and cream cheese are gone. What happens to the team? How their mood changes. It's incredible. So take care of yourselves. I, I can't express that enough, but more importantly is don't be afraid to ever reach out for help and give yourself the opportunity to follow your dreams. And if you, if your dreamer's broken, there's someone that can help, but everyone deserves that. Well, thank you, Jen. Like I said, it's a, 
It's been such a joy listening to you and and seeing the transformation over the years and reconnecting and you know we said we could like in the beginning we go way back and gosh going through your you know your your journey it's been incredible and you talk about surviving and you know I I I have my own story which will be on another podcast but yeah I can completely relate to it. Well, thanks for not ditching me. No, no. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, it's been always a, our friendship. I, I value, uh, you know, so much value in it. So thank you for uh, being in my life. Yeah. And sharing your stories. And I'm jealous that you headed out to the West. So the Pacific Northwest will one day uh, be my home. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take you with welcome, welcome arms. I can't wait. The trails yeah. are waiting. What's that? The trails are waiting, and maybe we could do That's a podcast right. from you know the top of Mount Hood or Rainier or something. That'd be fun. Right. Well, the Oregon Trail is still open. Okay. <laughs> Back up your wagon. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Of course. And uh, till next time, uh, everybody, get a hold of Jen at. What's your address for the for Moxie Consulting? Aha, uh-huh. yeah, MoxieHealthConsulting.com. Mm-hmm. It's pretty okay. simple. And you're on LinkedIn and you yeah. just got your website. Yes, linked. Yes, the website's coming. Um, but LinkedIn, I am just under Jen Monteith. Um, of course, I'm on social media. I am the one person, you know, of of many. I do love Facebook. Facebook is probably one of my favorite platforms because I again strive to be a beacon of hope in there. Uh, it just, it's fun. I understand it. And it's just a riot to see people get on there and reach out and say, what the heck are you doing? I need some help. And, uh, you know, it's, you can make it as professional or as unprofessional as you want. And I've chosen to, you know, help, help it show people what's possible. And, you know, when, when the doc out in Arizona reached out, she was like, Jen, I, whatever you have going on, I want in my, with my team, what can we do? And, you know, for her, she wanted to focus specifically on using one of the instruments in her office or scanner. And again, it all boiled down to not just the team using it, but, um, why, why wouldn't we? So that's for another podcast. All right. Well, get a hold of Jen. She will be your coach, your guide, your guiding light for better health. And yeah. Look at her transformation online. It's pretty fun. Better health, better business. It's a good thing. Yes. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic day.